Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. We've been on a little bit of a journey this summer, haven't we? Pastor Jeff has been away, of course, and he's back next Sunday. I'm excited. I know you're really excited. We've missed having him with us. We've missed his voice, his heart, and his words for us uh, this summer. So it will be so good to have him home, to have him back. But we've been on a journey, a journey designed to help us wrestle with our mission here at Cross Community Church and to discover what it means to be a church that exists to help people find and follow Jesus. All the way back in June, Pastor Jeff left us with a question to wrestle with over the course of the summer. Who will you invite to come with you? And we've heard some phenomenal sermons this summer that have helped us wrestle with how we invite others to come with us on our faith journey, on this journey towards Jesus. We've heard messages from all over the scriptures, from the Old Testament, the New Testament, from Genesis and Esther to the woman at the well. And I think we've been reminded that the Bible is a story of how God, from the very beginning, has been crafting a story of redemption and rescue. And he's inviting us to be a part of that story and to share that story and to help other people find their place within that story. So it's been a good summer. I hope you've enjoyed our summer together. But this morning, we're going to dive into another one of Jesus' parables, actually two of his parables. We're going to read those together. But before we get too far into this this morning, I actually want to just kind of nerd out with you for just a couple of minutes before we keep going, okay? Um, Because I just want to talk about parables in general. Because Jesus uses dozens and dozens of these short stories to teach his followers and those that would gather uh, to hear him. And Jesus wasn't the only person to use parables. There are, there are really popular communication tool in the day that Jesus lived in the first century, uh, but they're even popular today to teach morals through short stories. But it's important for us to recognize that for Jesus, parables were more than a way to communicate a moral lesson. For Jesus, parables were the vessel that he used to announce something to announce a new world, to announce the arrival of his kingdom. The Greek word for parable is parabole. And we're going to say that together because Jeff's about to come back, so I want to get you guys warmed up for when we're back. So we're going to say parabole on three. One, two, three, parabole. One, two, three, parabole. One more time. One, two, three, parabole. So parabole means to set something alongside something else in order to make comparison. So when Jesus uses parables, he's setting the kingdom of God alongside something earthy, something familiar, something that people could grasp to help them catch a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, to help them see what it looks like when heaven comes to earth. 
And so in the parables, we get this wide open window into what Jesus thought he was doing and then maybe what we should also be doing as we participate in his kingdom. So our Greek word is parabole, but the Latin word is even more fun. I told you we were going to nerd out a little bit this morning, okay? Now, the Bible wasn't written in Latin, okay? But it was translated into Latin in the 4th and 5th centuries, and Latin was the most common used language for the Bible for hundreds of years in Western Europe. So we're going to talk about Latin. The Latin word for uh, parable is parabola, okay? Where are my math people this morning? We got some math people now. It's good. I am not a math guy, and talking about anything that has to do with mathematics is probably the last thing that I should be doing this morning. But um, you might recognize that Latin word from your algebra class, and our high school students are probably thrilled that on this long holiday weekend I'm bringing up algebra in our service this morning. But a parabola is a symmetrical open plane curve formed by the intersection of a cone with a plane parallel to its side. Aren't you blessed this morning? Some of you are waiting to laugh to see if I was like, they really want me to know what's going on here. Um, I could read that a hundred times. I'm not sure that it would fully compute in my non-math brain. But a more tangible example of a parabola that we're more familiar with is like the St. Louis Arch. I've got a picture of our St. Louis Arch here. Even more familiar, I give you the McDouble parabola. The cool thing about parabolas, I can't believe I'm saying that. Let's go back to our St. Louis arch example. Parabolas have two sides that mirror one another. If you have half of a parabola, you already know what the other side is going to look like. So there's no guesswork involved. The first side exactly mirrors the other. And so I think this is a really cool way for us to think about the parables of Jesus. Jesus gives you the first half of the picture, and as you wrestle with it, and as you come to understand it, you know exactly what the second half, what the kingdom is supposed to look like. And so my prayer for us is that as Jesus shares the first half with us this morning, his kingdom would come into focus that much more for us. So if you're able, I want to invite you to stand with me as we read this parabola from Luke chapter 15. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible, so if it sounds a little bit different, that's why. But this is Luke 15, 1 through 10. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the 99 others in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he's thrilled and places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me, because I've lost, I found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over the 99 righteous people who have no need to change their hearts and lives. Or what woman, if she owns ten silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the whole house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both hearts and life. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is always, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So my wife, Morgan, and I are big fans of Ikea. Okay, I may have mentioned this before to you, but uh, Ikea was actually one of our favorite places to go on dates when we lived in Chicago uh, when we were in college. We'd go to either Schaumburg or Bolingbrook and just kind of hang out, spending the day walking around, which makes us really exciting, adventurous people, that that's how we like to spend our dates. But that was a fun date day for us. Uh, and then we moved to St. Louis, and they opened a brand new Ikea in like 2014, 2015, like 20 minutes from our house. So uh, really fun, really dangerous for us that we were that close to Ikea. But Morgan loves Ikea for the shopping. I love Ikea for the Swedish meatballs and the cinnamon rolls. But uh, if you've been to Ikea, you know that the fun doesn't really even start until you get home because everything you buy comes in a kit, right? It's like Legos for adults. There are tons of these little pieces, and you do get directions that come with all of your boxes of the things that you've purchased. But my problem is that I generally look at the directions, figure that it looks simple enough, and then I continue to go on putting it together without looking at the directions, which usually does go fine until you get down to the end and you're left with a few brackets and a few screws, and you're trying to decide how important those things were to the structural integrity of whatever it is that you're putting together. But... It's it's a funny example, it's a silly example for us this morning, but I think that it's true that even in the completely unspiritual things, we have this tendency to want to do things on our own, to go our own way, to do things our own way, even when we have the directions right there in front of us. And sometimes we can get lost in the process. And in our parables this morning, Jesus is talking about lost things. He begins with a shepherd and the sheep, and he goes on to talk about a lost coin. And we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about the shepherd and the sheep this morning. But I wanted to include that lost coin because I think it helps us get the full flavor of what Jesus is saying. But the first parable Jesus shares is about that shepherd and his sheep. And shepherding was a very common practice in the world that Jesus lived in. Everybody would have understood exactly what Jesus is talking about. It's why the Bible uses sheep as an analogy over and over and over again. It was familiar. It was part of their world. But it's really not part of our world. We're not shepherds. We probably don't hang out with a lot of shepherds. Most of us don't own sheep. So this is a little outside of our world. So what do we have in common with sheep that the Bible, again and again and again, feels the need to compare us to sheep. And why does Jesus use sheep in his story here? The good news this morning is the stereotype of sheep being dumb is a little bit overblown. So we can all take a deep breath there and, and relax about that. Um, but sheep are actually really intelligent animals, but they are very stubborn. And so sheep don't always like to listen. They like to do their own thing. They tend to wander and they do tend to get lost. The best explanation for how we're like sheep might actually be from Isaiah 53, 6. It says, we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing and gone our own way. So like it or not, stubbornness is the common denominator between us and sheep. We may not like that image of ourselves, but generally I do think that it's probably true. 
My wife is nodding a little bit right now. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. But I want to pause right here for just a second because we read this verse from Isaiah, but I want to make sure that we hear this verse. I want to make sure that we hear it as it's written because sometimes I think this is what we hear. I think sometimes we hear some people have wandered off and gotten lost. Some people have have done their own thing and gone their own way. And sometimes I think we look down our noses at the people that we think are some people. And that's not what it says. It says it's all of us, right? That we all do this. We've all tried to do it our own way. So I know we just, we've repeated our Greek word, but I want us to say all together this morning because I think this is important. So let's say one, two, three, all. One, two, three, all. One, two, three, all. Very good. But we do. We have this tendency to wander off and get lost, but it's all of us. And so as we talk about the lost this morning, I don't want us to so easily assume that the lost are the people out there who are nothing like us. When in fact the lost are people just like us that God is still desperately searching for. It's interesting, Jesus doesn't just launch into these parables unprompted. Jesus is actually responding to the religious leaders accusing him of hanging out with the wrong people. In fact, Jesus has been having parties and celebrating with these wrong people. And what's kind of sad is that the religious leaders may not have been so upset. They may not have had such a big problem with Jesus spending time with the tax collectors and the sinners if he was strictly correcting them and teaching them how to get their lives in order. But the scripture tells us that Jesus was making it a point to share life with these people. He was seeking out the social outcasts and getting to know the known sinners in their community. He was sharing meals with them. He was just spending too much time with these people. And the religious leaders wanted to know why. They couldn't wrap their minds around why these were the people that Jesus was seeking out and spending his time with. And so Jesus tells some simple parables about a lost sheep and about a lost coin to help them and to help us understand why now i know our parable this morning is called the parable of the lost sheep but i'm not convinced that this story is really about the sheep i don't think jesus told these parables to focus on the character of the sheep or the character of the coin after all coins can't really lose themselves right so it's kind of hard for these parables to be about the sheep or the coin and how they messed up and lost their way So Jesus' point isn't to teach us about the lost, but rather the one who is looking. So this morning we're going to spend some time looking at what these parables teach us about what a good shepherd is like and what Jesus wanted us to know that our good shepherd is like. The first thing that we learn in our passage is that our good shepherd takes risks. Our good shepherd takes risks. In verse 4 it says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? If the shepherd wanted to play it safe, he could, right? In fact, he has ninety-nine reasons that he should play it safe. Leaving the ninety-nine to find one is really, really risky. The safer play here would be to cut your losses, right? To accept that you now only have 99 sheep, but 99 sheep is better than no sheep, and 99 is still an A, right? We're taking a 99% every single time, right, students? 
But our shepherd can't play it safe. He can't do it because he's a good shepherd. He has to go looking for the lost sheep. He understands that that's his job. That's his role. Because our good shepherd's mission is lost sheep. Our shepherd's mission is lost sheep. As we read the New Testament, we see that Jesus is kind of obsessed with lost things. And I know that that may sound weird to say, but Jesus tells a story about a lost sheep, about a lost coin. He tells a story about a lost son. Everything that Jesus did revolved around the lost. Luke 19.10, just a few chapters after this, tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel said that when the Messiah comes, his purpose would be to search for the lost and bring back those who have strayed. So our good shepherd's mission is lost sheep. Seeking the lost was not ancillary to Jesus' greater mission. It was his mission. It was his purpose. Finally, our good shepherd goes after his lost sheep until he finds it. I'm going to assume, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that none of us here this morning have lost a sheep. Okay, I I would love to hear that story if you have, but I'm going to assume that that's true for most of us. But we don't lose sheep, but we lose other things. We lose plenty of other things. And so this morning, I'm curious if we lose the same kinds of things. In my house, it's cell phones, keys, and remote controls. Those are the things that we are always looking for. My wife has bought one of those tiles so we can page from our phone to our keys. If both are missing at the same time, then you're just kind of like out of luck on that one. But my son Theo is uh, three years old, and he likes to hide things. Bless his heart. So if someone is missing something, there's a really good chance that at some point Theo picked it up and put it somewhere very special. Okay, He actually really enjoys throwing things away. Um, we actually had to put a lock on our tr- kitchen trash can because several things got pitched that were never intended to be thrown away. I think that's how we lost our television ro- remote this last year. We had to order a new one of those. But he really enjoys carrying one shoe, just one, from the back door to like a far corner of the house. So when you're going to leave the house, you can only ever find one of your shoes. So this is just kind of something that we deal with. I don't know if your house is like that. I don't know if you have a Theo. Some of you are nodding your heads. But we all lose things, and we find ourselves looking and searching for things. But there are different kinds of looking and searching, right? There's, it's just a different way that you go about it depending on what you've lost. The, there's the casual looking for something. Like if the TV remote is looking, I might say to Morgan, hey, if you see the TV remote, let me know. It's, it's missing right now. But usually it's pretty passive. Like if you happen to find it, great. But it's not a big deal. We're not turning the house inside out looking for the TV remote. But then there's a more persistent looking and searching. One of the things that Theo likes to hide or to lose is his cup of milk. And if you know anything about milk, you don't want to just leave that somewhere. If you do, the smell will find you. You will no longer be looking for the cup of milk. So when Theo hides his milk, it quickly becomes that kind of persistent looking. It's very much a look for it until you find it search party. And that's the kind of looking that we find our shepherd doing in our parable this morning. Verse 4 tells us he goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. In verse 8, 
the woman in the parable of the coin does the exact same thing. It says that she lights a lamp, she sweeps the house, and she searches her home carefully until she finds it. Our God is not passive. He's persistent. And no matter how long it takes, no matter how far he has to go, he's set on finding his lost sheep. Now, this may not sound odd to us. This may not sound unusual. But Jesus is describing God in a new way that would have been revolutionary to those who were listening to them. Jewish tradition would have believed that God would welcome the repentant sinner. That if you repent and you come back to God, he's always willing to welcome you back. But here, Jesus introduces a new idea. That God is a seeking God. A God who takes the initiative and comes after us. Our church believes in something called prevenient grace. And Pastor Marlene talked about this a couple weeks ago. But prevenient grace is a fancy way of saying that we believe that God chases after people. That he goes looking for people long before they start looking for him. And Jesus kind of lived this prevenient grace. He chased after people when they were lost. He talked with them. He ate with them. And he invited them long before they probably had any interest in following him. And this is really good news. In a a super simple, short parable, Jesus introduces us to a God who is full of this prevenient grace, whose mission is lost people, who isn't afraid to take risks on people, and who goes looking and keeps looking for those people until he finds them. This is especially good news if we understand that we are included in the all that have wandered off and gotten lost. It means that we have a good shepherd who's looking for us. This is good news if we have friends or family, coworkers, neighbors who are lost. It means that God is looking for them and that his prevenient grace is seeking them before they're even looking for him. It's good news if we love our world. If we want to see our world redeemed and healed because the good news of Jesus is exactly that. It's good news and it's for the entire world. But this good news, church, this news is also incredibly challenging for us who sit in these pews and come to this place on Sunday mornings because Jesus is asking us to join him in his mission to find the lost. In John 20, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. As the church, as citizens of the kingdom that Jesus came to bring, we have been sent. We have been sent to the lost people that God loves. That is why we are here. That is why we exist. Jesus' mission has become our mission And so what a privilege, right? What a privilege that God has invited us to join in this work. But I also think it's okay to acknowledge that this is hard work. It doesn't mean that people become projects. Hear me say that this morning. I think we've done that. I think we've made that mistake that we've made people projects. But it means we have to be willing to intentionally build authentic relationships with people. 
It, it requires patience. It means taking risks on people. It means loving people even when they're different than us, especially when people are different than us. Loving people into the kingdom of God is really hard, vulnerable work. And this morning, can I say that sometimes I think we cheat? And I think sometimes we want to take the shortcut because if we're being honest, inviting someone to pray a prayer of conversion is way easier than actually walking through life with them, learning to love them, learning to see them as God sees them, and then slowly introducing them to the Jesus that we know and that we trust. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this. There are times that someone is ready, right? They are, they have, they're done with the way that they're doing things and they're, all they need is an invitation. So those times exist, but I don't have any statistics, but I would say that that is probably the exception to the rule. Pastor Marlene reminded us the soil of our society and our culture isn't usually ready for that. People usually aren't ready for that. But it's, it's not just our society that has a problem with this, that is resistant to this more formulaic gospel presentation that ends in an invitation to pray the sinner's prayer. I want us to think about this theologically for just a second this morning. If we believe the good news of Jesus is that a good God made you, knows you, loves you, and wants a restoring relationship with you, a relationship that is built on trust, why would we expect an impersonal presentation of Jesus to be effective or compelling or really even reflect the reality of the good news? Dr. Jeff Stark was with us about a month ago, and I'm I'm currently reading his book. It's called The News is Good, and it's a phenomenal book. I actually have one extra copy sitting on my desk in my office. I'd love to give it away today if you're looking for some light reading on your Labor Day holiday tomorrow. Uh, But one of the stories he tells in the book has really stuck with me, and it's, it's both helpful, I think, but it's also really convicting for us. He shares that years ago, a friend of his uh, was driving around town and picked up a man off the side of the road, and he picked him up, brought him to Jeff, because he assumed that his pastor was the person that this person uh, needed to talk to the most. So Jeff says he sat down with the man, and within minutes, he is kind of in full-blown pastor-slash-evangelist mode, and he's sharing the gospel with this man who looks like he's been on a pretty tough path. A couple minutes into Jeff's gospel presentation, the man actually interrupts him and finishes the gospel message for him. So Jeff says, you've you've heard that one before then. And the man smiled and said, yeah, I've heard it a couple times. And then the man said the thing that really stuck with me. He said, why is it that Christians always want to get me saved, but no one wants to be my friend? Sometimes I wonder if we overcomplicate what it means to share Jesus. Sometimes I think sometimes we're hesitant to share faith because we're worried about how much we understand or that we'll use the right words. Maybe that our theology won't be perfect. Maybe we're worried someone's going to ask us a question that we're not going to know the answer to. But I think the good news for us to remember is that our world probably doesn't need more Christians with a well-reasoned, defensible argument for Jesus. Like I said, the list of people who've been argued into the kingdom of God is probably relatively short. The gospel is not an argument that needs to be won. Jesus already won. The good news 
is good news. The gospel is good news that begs to be shared. It's good news because in the kingdom, the broken are made whole. The excluded are included. The hungry are fed. What's wrong is made right. In the kingdom, justice can be found. The lowly are lifted up. The overlooked are seen. The least become the greatest. The empty are filled. And yes, the lost are even found. And a kingdom that looks like that is good news for just about everybody. Because no matter where you fit into the chaos and the brokenness of the story of humanity, God has not forgotten you. In fact, the story that Jesus shares with us this morning tells us that God is actively looking for you. He's looking for all of us. In verse 5, Jesus kind of wraps this up. He says, when he finds his lost sheep, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulder. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, celebrate with me because I've found my lost sheep. Sometimes I think we forget. And I know that I forget that we serve a God who celebrates above all else when the lost are found. So I wonder this morning, not just from this morning, but from this summer, as we've wrestled with mission and we've wrestled with what it means to be a church that is going to people and helping people find Jesus. Is there someone that God has put on your heart this season? Who in your life is God hoping to celebrate? Who is he longing to find? Is there someone you know that God is calling you to take a kingdom-sized risk on, to go after with the grace of Jesus, to be present in their life until they're found by a God who loves them? The good news this morning is we have a God who risked everything so we could be found. I think the challenge for us, church, is to become people who are really, really convinced and really, really believe that the kingdom is big enough for everyone. So who in your life is God longing to celebrate? Who is God calling you to go after until they're found? And who will you invite to come with you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I do thank you that you're a God who comes looking for us. And that while we were still lost, you stopped at nothing so that you could find us. I pray that you would fill us with the love and the compassion that you have for the world. That we would see through your eyes. That we would love the world through your love. That we would be willing to take risks on people because we understand that your kingdom is a place where all are welcome and all are invited. May we live the good news of your kingdom. May we overflow with grace and with forgiveness. And may we as your church be a community of people who are set on finding the lost, loving the lost and helping them find you. We do thank you that you've invited us to share in your mission and we pray that you would equip us with the heart, the compassion, and the grace to do it. It's in your name I pray this.
Amen. Amen. Let me send you out with blessing as you go this morning. Would you stand with me as we go? May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Go in his peace. Thanks for today weekend. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.